What is up? What is up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. So we're going to do things a little bit different. Instead of running ads throughout the show, we're going to go uninterrupted. Instead, I'm going to talk to you for about a minute right now, and we're going to talk about the show sponsors. But first, I want to tell you about SteelMaceNation.com. SteelMaceNation.com is a great place, great resource that you could go to. Um, there's a lot of free stuff there, videos and articles. I recommend you read the 10,000 Swings Steel Mace Challenge. It's very unique. It's very difficult. Uh, get a lot of feedback on this one. And a lot of people say they hate it and they love it at the same time because it is a lot of hard work. But uh, it's, a good, it's a good workout program, totally free for you. And you can start it today if you want. If that's something that's not your speed, there's plenty of other things you can check out on steelmacenation.com, such as the Steel Mace Workshop or the 21-Day Steel Mace Challenge, which is an ebook. Uh, it's broken down into a couple different things. One of them is a mindset chapter. Another one is uh, smoothie recipes, you know, just easy to make delicious smoothies. And then, of course, there's the whole 21-Day Fitness Challenge that uh, – follows all these different workout programs. So you can check those out. Uh, another option would be the membership where for $8.99 a month, you gain access to a bunch of different recorded workouts where you follow along full workouts uh, set up in, you know, cool locations. And there's not just me on there, fellow mace enthusiast coach and firefighter uh, george wiggins who's been on the podcast a bunch of times he actually has a little spot on there where you can follow along one of his workouts thank you george for being so cool to provide that shout out to george wiggins 502 steel mace on instagram so let's get to our show sponsors real quick here so First one is freedomstrength.us. Freedomstrength.us has a discount code for you. It's SMN10. Get 10% off your discount, uh, off your purchase, and go there, buy a weight vest or a sandbag. But just check out what they got. Tons of stuff. Really good uh, place to go for all your shopping needs. If you're looking for a steel mace or a steel club and you haven't tried adxclub.com yet, you're making a mistake. Go to addictsclub.com and see what they have. These are adjustable steel maces. This is state-of-the-art mace technology made right here in the United States of America. Adjustable steel maces, adjustable steel clubs, really good product. Uh, when you get your hands on one of these things, you'll see they're special, they're unique, and it's uh, something that really enhances your training modality that you're into and then finally i want to talk about sleepy monkey training academy.com now sleepy monkey training academy is run by andrew emsley who he's been on the podcast a few times and he's also a show contributor he offers uh, advice to me and things like that on how to run the show and things to talk about and i consider him you know kind of like the hidden hand of the show where he you know, helps with things. So his support is greatly needed and I am very happy about that. So I love telling people about Sleepy Monkey Training Academy. Um, he's in Pennsylvania. 
you know, easily accessible from New Jersey, anywhere in Pennsylvania, whatever, tri-state area, worth the drive, even if you think you're too far away. Why? Because Andrew has a very unique training system. I've been through his system, and I can guarantee you, you will enjoy it. Um, you know, basically, I offer coaching as well. And for me to offer somebody else's coaching, they must be pretty legit. So, you know, check out Sleepy Monkey Training Academy.com. Read what's over there and see if that's something that'll work for you. Thank you very much for listening to this advertisement up front. And now, without further ado, let's get to the podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome back to the Steel Mace Nation podcast. My name is Fred Moore, and today my guest is Keith Rudder. He's from Florida. He's a brown belt in jujitsu. He's also a powerlifter. Uh, you look like a bodybuilder, but you are a powerlifter. You're a coach, and um, you're a mace swinger. You're also a farmer, a hunter. You uh, are frequently shooting uh, your compound bow and, and guns, and um, you run a YouTube channel called The Farm Project, which I happen to think is a really fun uh, show to watch. Uh, you got something really cool going on there. Uh, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for coming on. Awesome, man. I, I like that introduction. You pretty much um, nailed it all. Um, but I do have to add, you know, father and husband, you know, because those are, <clears throat> you know, those are important to me. Yeah. And um, so um, I like the little addition of looking like a bodybuilder. <laughs> I don't train for um, aesthetics, but, you know, it's nice to look like you lift. It's nice to look like an athlete and be able to move like an athlete. Um, whereas just getting big and slow is, you know, that's not for me. Right. Right. So that's an interesting thing because everybody has that in their head. Like <clears throat> if you're a power lifter, you have to have a certain look. And then when somebody like you comes along and you're swinging your mace and everybody can see like, you know, the separation of all your back muscles and everything. Uh, well, how's that? Guy, how's that guy? A power lifter. I mean, well, it, it, and I get that a lot. Like, so, um, you know, because I'm leaner than not in today's in powerlifting, you see a lot more people being more lean. And, but if you take it back 10 years, it's like big, fat, bald guys, you know, screaming, bleeding out their nose. Um, and that was just, I'm glad that's in the past, you know? So I don't really believe in just doing the squat, the bench, the deadlift. That is great to start. It is great to build um, a beginning of base of strength. But if you're only doing that, you're limiting yourself so much. You know, I still want to be able to run. I want to be able to jump. I want to be able to move. I need to be able to be, you know, tactical if I need be. And um, as far as the mace for me, it's just another tool, just like a kettlebell. It's just another tool. And I often get to ask, you know, what is the best one for me? And like, you know, someone will ask you, you know, as a coach, hey, you know, what is the best for me? What is the best program? What is the best diet? Fill in the blank. And I don't believe there's a best. Everything is a tool and it should be utilized. You know, I've, I've built cars my whole life. 
and I have a, a large toolbox. I don't just have a wrench and a hammer, right? I use every tool in my box for the proper situation. And the mace for me is, is an amazing tool as for, um, I've used it to develop my upper shoulders and back when, especially in the beginning, when my elbows were worn and torn from jujitsu and grappling and competing in that environment, and then go into a heavy bench day. Well, I mean, you got to imagine your shoulders and your elbows get a little beat up. Everybody's got that golfer's elbow, right? Everybody's yeah. got that little tendonitis and oh, I don't yeah. know what to do with it. Well, for me, it's all about getting blood and full range of motion. I mean, how else do you do that better than swinging a mace? That's if you great. properly do at least just a basic 360 swing, right? Single or one-handed uh, or dual-handed, right? When that arm is behind you, and it's being pulled down. How is that not full range of motion and then extending it over? So you're getting that extension. You're getting the lengthened and shortened version. And you're getting it through momentum. Um, so it's not like a force. So like a bench press or an overhead press, there's a lot of force on your joints. You know, swinging the mace, that is momentum. So you're never really applying force at one particular moment in one particular um, point of space. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, and I love one arm swings. And actually, you just uh, recently posted one. You were doing one arm swings um, with um, with an uppercut involved in there. Yes. Um, and that's like, you know, that's a tried and true exercise using the infamous Adex mace, um, the adjustable. Correct. And I think he had like 20, 25 pounds on there. Uh, yeah, it was 25 pounds, I believe, that day. Yeah. So now, was that just the day where you were swinging mace, or were you also so, training? No, I, I don't just I don't just have a day where I do something. Everything is um very thoroughly thought out. So I have particular days that I do the mace, and that is after every single heavy lifting day. So okay, um, because I use it currently in my current training as a form of rehab. So if I squat the day before, you know, getting your arms behind you, you know, in that position causes a little bit of upper chest and shoulder um, stress, right? Well, again, swinging that mace is pulling over using your lats. It's stretching my chest out. It's a rehab tool at that point. Um, same thing after a, a deadlift day, you know, it's heavy on the back. Well, I need just like if you go for a walk, if your legs are cramped up or sore to get some blood pumping, I'm going to swing the mace. Right. It's, it's the same thing. It's getting to my upper body. So I have them um, thoroughly thought out. Some days I do two handed swings for X amount of reps um, over a period of time. Another day is the uppercuts because I want the rotational movement. I need to work on my QL, my lower back, my obliques. So those don't become weak. Right. Other days, it's more of just a conditioning tool. So my grip stays strong and my arms and my forearms and my upper shoulders don't lose your dexterity for jujitsu because grabbing the gi, you, you know, if anybody here is familiar with jujitsu, grabbing and holding a gi, just go and do a couple towel pull-ups, see how you fare. So imagine holding a gi of another 200 pound man. That's also possibly violently attacking you back, you know, in a martial arts setting anyway. So um, for after jujitsu, I'm absolutely going to swing the mace those days. So for me, currently, it's more of a rehab tool. Even though I try to get it heavy, I don't raise the weight until it becomes no stimulus from after swinging it. You know what I mean? 
Right. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, you're a pretty strong guy. Um, are you finding 25 pounds to be adequate enough to keep? Absolutely. Your- if you can't find 25 pounds to, you know, give you some sort of stimulus, a training effect, you're doing it wrong. You know what I mean? 20,000. Remember, we're not just swinging a, a 25 pound um, dumbbell. It's on the end of a stick, you know, 36 yeah. to 48 inches long, depending on, you know, if you're using a mace, you know, uh, what brand you're using or a homemade one. There's some um, inertia at the end of that thing. So if you're really going for it, 25 pounds is a lot of weight. And if it isn't, you're probably a giant or just go to one hand. Right. So right. I started at the 8X mace. Um, and the reason I started, honestly, because they're Florida, right? I'm, I live in Florida and I found this Florida company and I like to keep, you know, things local. Um, I'm not down the street from them. I found that they were local to Florida. I'm like, I absolutely want to try to keep my money in a, in a, at least in a relative state. I like that. And, um, I do everything to, I believe very, very much in progressive overload and and I'm not going to have 37 different maces. Right. You know what I mean? Just so the index, you can start at what is it? Six and a half pounds. Yes. And without the add on kits, it builds all the way up to 30. Right. Right. So what I was doing is I was um, started at a 50 swings. So total for the day. And once they got to a hundred, I added two and a half pounds. Um, And then I got back to a hundred and eventually I made it all the way to 20 pounds and I was pumped for that. Right. So then I started just adding 10 pounds or 10 swings every week. So this week I do 110 three times a week. Next week I do 120 three times a week. And it got to a point where I was doing 200 swings four times a week. And then I added five pounds. And then I would just drop back to 100, build my way all the way back, back up to 200, add five pounds. And it got to the point where I was doing 250 swings at 35 pounds. I'm like, oh, crap. I don't know what to do. Like, I, <laughs> I don't want to just be swinging out here for four hours and just destroy my hands, right? So then I started adding in single-handed swings, dropped the weight back down, lowered the reps, and now I'm building back up. I'm back at uh, 150 reps with one hand, each hand, um, at 20 pounds. So, and I'll just keep building, and that, that kind of cycle and training will never end. You know, because you can always go heavier, you can always make the lift harder. And like you mentioned before, that's why I added in the uppercut. Because I noticed I was doing uh, like 75 in my left hand, 75 swings in my right hand. And then I was like, one day I was like, okay, I'm going to do some, try some uppercuts, do 75, 75. No, sir. I made it to 25 single hand swings with an uppercut each side. And I'm like, that's enough. So now I'm building those up. Right. So it's a never ending cycle, cycle of progressive overload. And it's just cool that you have a mace that is, you know, you can just pop on a plate or pop one off. Boom. You know, adjust your weight to your current skill set. Yeah. And thanks for laying out your whole um, scheme there. I mean, this is great information for anybody who listens to the podcast, who's just trying to figure out ways of training. If it hasn't occurred to anybody yet, I mean, listen to what Keith just said. He just laid out a progressive overload style um, process to, to swing a mace, to get every drop out of it that you can. Yeah. Right. And I mean, you know, he's at the point now where he can throw in an add-on kit pretty soon but there's no rush he, he figured oh i'll swing with one arm and i mean this is how great it is and you're um 
you're explaining that you do this on, you know, after you do your, your majority of your workouts, you're yeah. more as a rehab or whatever, but do you find that it helps develop muscle for you in any way? Do you notice anything? Did you notice Absolutely. anything change? Okay. Absolutely. Without a doubt, especially in my shoulders, um, like, you know, your delts Yeah, and um, my lats because- now, Go ahead. But where specifically is it the whole delt or is it more like the side delt, the front delt? Where do you see the most development? For me, it's the, the side delt and the rear delt. Yes. So I don't get too much front delt because that's more of a, a push. Yeah. So this and you know, I don't really use the mace for any of those like um anything that I can use a heavier weight for. You know what I mean? So if, if I'm gonna develop my front delt, you know, I'm gonna do some type of fly or heavy dumbbell or bench press or incline press really is what you want and uh 30 pounds honestly you know for me it's it's not going to have much stimulus but absolutely the rear delt and the side delt i mean you should be feeling some sort of burn or you're not training hard enough right you know what i mean because you know i like all the fancy swinging and stuff it's cool to look at and it's a whole skill set and it's a lot involved and it's you know to me that's like almost like a martial art it's like Tai Chi with the mace. You know what I mean? So you mean like flow? Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah I agree. I totally That's agree. cool. I, I really like it. It's cool. But a lot of times the, the mace for those are so light. It's not really what I would consider training. I would consider that more along signs of exercising through a martial art. Right. Because it's, it's like, um, again, it's like Tai Chi, you know, you, so, but what, what I'm getting to is, if you're going to do something with the mace and you're going to look to build muscle, that's not it. If you want to build delts and lats, you need to push the mace to where your grip is giving out. Like you should be barely holding on to this thing. You know what I mean? You're going to have to use some chalk because your hands are getting sweaty. So if you're swinging a mace and when you're done, you know, you're talking like I'm talking right now. What did you do? Right. Let, let's yeah. I want to see some heavier swings out there. You know, I want to see people pushing the limit. There are some people swing some crazy heavy numbers out there, which is, is pretty insane. Oh, yeah. Um, but absolutely, where I feel it the most is in, you know, uh, the wing, the lat here, because it's it's a pullover. Yeah, and, and uh, you get a phenomenal – when that one-arm swing – I love one-arm swings just for what you're talking about. When you're swinging it behind you, that lat is getting fully stretched. Oh, yeah. And then you're going right into a great tight little contraction. Exactly. And on like uh, when I train back day, um, I warm up with those and then I kind of disperse swings throughout the workout. Um, and then I kind of finish off with the same thing. And I'm, I fry my back out every time. Oh yeah. If you're familiar with Dorian Yates or any of the listeners are, um, you know, one of the, he was the first mass monster in bodybuilding um, and he had credited a lot of his back development to something called the Nautilus pullover. Yes. Um, yeah. So, and it's literally just a pullover machine and it's, it's this motion, right? So if I just take one arm out and if you imagine a mace in my hand, what is it? Pullover. It is a pullover. So I've been trying to intensely push the pullover motion in my mace technique to get the most out of it. And I pull the mace really low um, to my body, like fist almost to hips, right? Uh, just in front of my groin, really. So I can get the hardest contraction possible for my back. And not this off season, but my last off season of training, uh, the mace was 
everyday finisher of back day. And for me, every day is back day, honestly. So I was doing as heavy as possible mace pullover, right? Um, four times a week. Um, so to me, it's, it's greatly helped me develop my back strength. Wow. That's great information. Um, so you say that every day is back day. Um, so are you doing deadlifts separate from your leg day? Exactly. So I don't train like a bodybuilder, right? So a bodybuilder will have like a bicep day, a shoulder day, you know, uh, et cetera. So my, my days aren't structured in a, um, a body part. They're structured in a movement, right? Since I compete in powerlifting, I have a squat day, a bench day, a deadlift day. And I also have in my off season, I also, instead of having a secondary bench day, I have overhead press day because I mean, you should be pressing weight over your head. First of all, like it's, it's the coolest lift, you know, can you, what can you put over your head, you know, pure, pure strength. Um, so my squat day is, will still have back involved. Absolutely. Because I still think you should be developing your back and there's so many areas in the back to develop, but the hard part is to not ruin your next training session. Through right. doing. So I squat with what's called a safety squat bar. And the reason that I use it, while there's many reasons to use it, the reason that I use a safety squat bar is it puts the weight in such a position that it taxes your upper back greatly. And it pushes you over and you have to force yourself to stay more upright, forcing you to really stay strong in your lower back. So honestly, after my leg day, my lower back or my squat day, my lower back and upper back are, are pumped. And I'll do something with a chest supported row. So I'll use a back movement to where I take my lower back and upper back out of it. And I just try to focus on maybe the middle back, like a rhomboid. And uh, during my last off season, I did the same thing, except for I would end it with high rep mace work, right? So even though my squat day is primarily quad focused, I'm still trying to work my back, right? So as we get older, you know, I'll actually, I'll be 40 in October. And uh, in what do you see most injured? You know, everybody's like my neck and my back, right? I don't want to be the guy. So I'm, for me, every day is some sort of back, but it has to be structured properly to not overwork. Um, because this saying that I like, there's no such thing as uh, overtrained. You're only under recovered, right? So as long as I can train certain areas and recover in others, I can still push everything. And uh, just to make it clear also, this is something that I think more, should, more people should be aware of for people that actually follow structured programs. Um, time is not real, right? It's something that we make up. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's something that if you think about it, it really is just something we make up. Monday to Sunday is just a work week. That doesn't mean your training week has to fall into that. So when I say a week of training for me, and I'm talking about all this stuff that I do, that's not in seven days. My training week is generally 10 days currently. So I don't need to follow Monday to Sunday because who, who says you have to? You don't have to squat on Monday. You don't have to swing the mace on Wednesday. If you're tired on Tuesday, take a rest day, right? Or just walk, maybe swim, you know, just keep some movement, get some steps in. That doesn't mean you have to squat on Tuesday and now you missed that day. No, no, no. 
Tuesday workout just becomes Wednesday. And as soon as you allow yourself to break out of the Monday through Sunday schedule, training for me, it just, it's so much better. There's a lot more um, fluidity to it. So, you know, I'll have four heavy lifting days and I have um, four really hard conditioning days. Then I have two more of a zone two type of aerobic conditioning, whereas my conditioning days are anaerobic. So you try to get all that in over a, a 10 day span. Yes. Okay. But this week is actually going to wind up being an 11 day because I was so uh, crushed from my deadlift day that I took an extra day. Yeah. So it's so, worth it. You, you, you exactly. had a super superior effort and, and you're just like, well, now I got to like take an extra rest day. Yeah, exactly. And um, something that, you know, as we already brought up uh, Dorian Yates uh, who kind of, followed after not followed after but you know took a lot from a guy named mike Menzer, if right. you're familiar with that name yeah created that high intensity heavy duty training principle he was training twice a week that's it and he was the first ever bodybuilder to get a 10 out of 10 score training twice a week but he would train to full all-out effort maximal intensity then he might take four days off so you can't say that you know, you need to train four or five times a week. And he didn't follow a Monday through Sunday schedule. He trained as necessary. So uh, looking at that and studying him and Arthur Jones, uh, basically the grandfather of all of that, um, and Dorian Yates, they rested more than most and they were successful more than most. So a problem with me in training, I've always been, I have to do something every day. So I still do something every day where maybe today, like my current training today is mace only. It's very low uh, um, fatigue for me. You know, I'm not pushing it to maximal intensity. So even though it's a rest day, it, I don't call it a rest day. I call it a rehab and recovery day. So it's a, it's a way to get in something without reducing the amount of effort you can put into your next training session. All right. So now I got a question because this this actually happens to me a lot. <laughs> Uh, because I'm like you, I like to do something every day. Uh, have you ever had your mace day, right? This is all I'm going to do. I'm just going to do mace. And you might even feel like a little tired, a little sore, a little beat up. You're like, yeah, definitely. I'm just doing mace. And then you kind of get into the workout about 10 minutes go by about 15 minutes go by. And you notice you feel awesome. And you're like, wait a minute. Absolutely. I think I could do some other shit here now. Do you ever, do you ever cave in and just, and just do it and, so and start like ripping out past, like yes. curls or something like that in the past? Yes. So okay. I was like, Oh man, I'm just feeling it. And, um, you know, I've built a pretty decent home gym. So I have like machines sitting right there. I'm like, well, what if I just put something light and do some face pulls, right. you know, like, ah, oh, you know, maybe I'll just do some curls just to get some, some more blood pumping. Um, but not anymore. But uh, what I was doing originally was like, if it was a mace day specifically, I would just go heavier on the mace. Okay. So I'm like, okay, I'm feeling great. Why don't I just go heavier? It's like, so today I had prescribed, say it was like 150 swings at 25 pounds. I was like, and maybe at 40 swings, I'm like, why don't I just do 30, you know, to make up for that? And then why don't I try to learn a new technique at the end of this, if I'm still got the energy? So that's why I started learning the uppercuts. Or, um, you know, the single harms or, you know, when you swing it in front of you and, you know, there's so much you can do. I just turn it into a, a learning session. But now 
I have everything written down, completely structured, and I do not break program at all. So if I finish my, say, um, today I have 75 with my left arm, I have 75 with my right arm, both at 20 pounds, then I have 20 single arms uppercut to the left, 20 single arm swings uppercut to the right. And that's what I'm doing today directly after this, uh, this talk we're having. But if I get through that and I just feel great, I don't do it. I, I stop. I'm done. And then I go to my, um, my program sheet and I put next to it, that was too easy. Add 10, add um, five pounds or add 10 swings to each. But if it was hard, I'll be like, um, stay here on the uppercuts, but add five swings to the, the single arm swings. Ah. So I, I progressively overload my training. So if it's too easy, good. That means now I go up yeah. either in weight or I shorten my rest periods or because um, I also time my rest periods. Right. So that's another modality that you can get better by. So I either add weight or I add reps or I reduce rest time. So either way, next week, I will be doing better. But if I go off program now, then I'm going to interfere with tomorrow's training. Right. Right. So I do not break program anymore, ever. And I'm telling you right now, anybody that's listening, stick to the program. I don't care how good you feel. Stick to it. Because that recovery that you're going to get from that training day will bleed into your next training day. And that will go better. And now when your next week's program comes out, everything will be harder, which is what you want. You want to progressively overload everything. So no, I no longer, but yes, many times have I fallen victim to, well, let's just do a little more. It's very tempting to do so. So now how does um, Mace help with your core development? Oh, incredibly. Hold on. My daughter was sneaking in. She was curious. <laughs> um, it, for me, it's incredibly important, especially in what I found in the uppercuts. So um, I haven't done in a direct ab movement in know, close to four years. I don't do sit-ups. I don't do leg raises. I don't do crunches. Fill in the blank, right? Because I believe if you learn how to properly brace and properly move your body, you're getting all the abdominal movement you want. Well, then people, well, how do I get abs? Well, that's fairly easy. There's two ways, move more or eat less. That's it. And uh, the, oh, the thing that I like to bring up is, you remember in high school anatomy class, you see the, the body stripped down with just a muscle. Every one of those had abs. Every one of them had delts and biceps and a chest developed. We're just covered in a little bit of extra meat, right? You want to see those abs? They're there. They're fully developed. Every single one of them. You want to see your obliques and all that? Eat less food or move more, which is what I prefer, to burn the extra food that you're already eating. So uh, for me, core development is more about building strength and not aesthetics. Right. So for me, the mace, when I first started doing it, I would, I, you know, yank you back. Right. Because that 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 pendulum that you get, it pulls you back. Then I was learning to keep my ribs over my hips, properly brace, fill it full of air, just as if I would squat, just like I would deadlift. So I brace my my core just the same way that I do when I lift heavy. And you should be able to feel it. You know, if you're not used to that, you should absolutely be able to feel it. 
Yeah. Now, when you swing a lot of mace, you're obviously we're using our core, and I feel it. I, I might, and I'm like you. I I, I kind of don't even do uh, abs exercises really anymore. I'm always swinging something. Um, plus, you do jujitsu, which is a lot of core stuff too. Yes. Um, but I mean, when people start to not feel sore after they swing a mace, are they still <clears throat> achieving Absolutely. the goal? Absolutely. You don't have to feel sore, right? Oh, uh, sore is when sore is for newbies or if you push something super hard or you tried a new movement. Sure. Those times you're going to get sore. But if you've been swinging a mace, you know, three to four times a week, couple hundred swings in that week, for sure. Over a period of months, you should not feel sore anymore. You've adapted. So um, something I try to for people because rucking is getting more popular and I ruck myself or just people that say they sit on the couch a lot. Right. Then they go to an amusement park and stand on their feet all day and their feet and they come home the next day. It's killing them. You're not adapted to that. Right. It's just another form of stimulus. So if you just get up and walk 10 miles one day, your feet are going to be killing you. Your, your legs are going to be sore. But if you did that every day for six months, it's just what you do. Like working a hard job, you know, a construction worker, you think they come home sore every day. Right. No, they've adapted to that stimulus. Right. But if you're if your adaptation is sitting on ass and watching whatever you watch, well, anything you do is probably going to make you sore. So if you're looking for more core work, just do more stuff with moving, brace your body harder. There's no real need, at least in my opinion, to do a bunch of ab movements, which if you look at it logically, if you want bigger biceps, you do curls. Right. So people want a flat stomach. Should you really be adding muscle to your abdominals? Um, because it's not like that's not what happens because that's absolutely what happens. You can build bigger, more developed abdominals, but that is going to round out your stomach. That's not what most people want. Right. Right. So a lot of times that's they're actually going in the wrong direction by doing all this abdominal work, especially heavy abdominal work when they're using machines or like uh, the cable pull downs to do those. That's going to build a strong, larger abdominal. If that's what you want, awesome. But if you just want, you know, to look good on the beach, you know, control your diet. See, look what's out on your fork or just add in some extra movement. Yeah. And, you know, I I like to take new clients <laughs> that come to me. They're, they never experienced the mace before. They're all looking, you know, to lose the gut and just get a little healthier, right? And like you just said, uh, if you want to get abs, you need to move more. So uh, what I think really works well is you introduce your client back into the fitness program. You mm -hmm. don't show them a mace yet. You just, you know, make sure that they're able to squat, lunge properly, you know, lift dumbbells, things like that. Body mechanics. Yes, right. Proper mechanics. And then <laughs> then you address their their gut and everything and say, OK, well, you're ready to move more and we're going to do it with a mace. So Absolutely. just by adding the mace in and they could do that on their own, they, like, look, take a mace home with you, you know, uh, buy one yourself and swing 50 times, a hundred times. That's more calorie burn. Don't eat any more food. Just stay where you're at. And yeah. at the same time, they're going to be hitting their core. Absolutely. Right. 
And then so, you're not uh, going to kill themselves uh, doing a bunch of crunches. So the next time they show up for a workout, they're all sore and they don't want to work out because that happens a lot too, especially when you're over zealous with your training in the beginning. A lot of people, oh, yeah. they go too hard, too fast. I think oh, that's absolutely. a and good that's remedy is the base. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that I do is um, when I get a new person that doesn't have a background in, we'll call it fitness, the fitness lifestyle, right? That encapsulates everything, powerlifting, running, CrossFit, mace, all of these things that we do. It's just moving your body, right? I, they always ask, oh, you know, what should I do about my diet? I'm like, nothing. You're already doing the right thing. You, you came to move. So in the future, you know, if you want to trim down, you know, we'll talk about that. But for right now, we're going to get you strong. Um, we're going to squat. We're going to deadlift. We're going to overhead press. And after I get the little bit of base of strength in them, I always bring the mace in because it's fun. But if they've never really moved their body, it's an extremely scary, highly technical yeah. tool. Yeah. So I have to build a base of strength so they have some shoulders on them. So they have some glutes and quads to, you know, stick themselves to the floor. And I teach them bracing through those compound movements. So now they know how to brace their core and not get yanked back with the mace and and they're getting some grip strength from deadlifts and, you know, some posterior chain work in there. And then I always bring in the mace and they're like, you know, when are we going to do some abs? If they ever bring that up, I've usually already given them, we're not going to do ab workout speech, but let's just say they still ask them like, you're doing it right now. Give me 50 points, you know? So uh, it's not something that I, that I, I've never programmed or given somebody a direct ab movement, nor do I do them myself. So now let's talk about your, your uh, coaching, what, you know, what you like to do the most, um, the type of training you like to put people through programming. Do you offer online? Like uh, a lot of the coaches sometimes do zoom stuff. Uh, do you have online programming? Where do you train people if they're coming to you in person? So I'm, I'm out of central Florida, Davenport area. Um, you know, that's just South of Orlando and Kissimmee. If you're not familiar so I do not do video. Like I do not train people through video and that's fine. You know, if people like to do that, but for me, I like to, if I'm going to teach somebody a technique, right. Not, I don't make people exercise. I train them. Right. So that's, I separate exercising and training. If I train somebody something, that means I'm teaching you something that you can walk away with. And I will generally always teach the squat, the bench, the deadlift and the overhead press first. And for me, I have to teach that in person, yeah. you know, so somebody wanted training in person. Awesome. But I don't offer that if you're brand new, never touched a barbell. You know, I, I don't really like to do that through video. I do, however, offer online programming and I say I online program for athletes. So my primary, you could probably say my primary focus is towards powerlifters currently, but I highly you know, I've trained a lot of, you know, jujitsu athletes. I'm programming for, you know, MMA guys because that's more of my background. So I don't, if you look at my program, it's not just squat, bench, deadlifts, you know, so it's what do you have access to? What are your current abilities? And, you know, where do you suck at? If you can't run or sprint or jump onto a 36 inch box or 24, whatever, you know, depending on your abilities, you're not an athlete. So it's always athlete first. I don't coach powerlifters. I don't coach bodybuilders. I don't coach CrossFit people or fighters. I coach athletes first. 
right? So I offer all online programming for athletes. You know, it's once a week. You just like I do my own programming. You fill out all the information. If it was easy, it was hard, et cetera, et cetera. I have a whole rating system there. And next week, your progressive training gets harder next week or using one of the four modalities, reps, sets, rest time, and weight. You know, something is going to go up. So next week will be better, right? Um, so, but again, just to touch on it, I don't like to offer through video because I want to be able to see the body live moving, yeah. and, you know, um, errors. Yeah, that's especially with compound movements like that. I mean, there could be so many little things you can miss on video. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Sometimes uh, people teach fitness style, you know, just burn calories, lift a little bit of weight. That's easy because that's it's easy. mostly yeah. body weight and even kettlebell stuff. You know, you can do pretty well through um, through video because it's not so dangerous. Right. You know what I mean? Because, you know, people are scared of squatting. They're scared of deadlifting the most. But and I understand that because, you know, there's that weird like, oh, you're going to hurt your back. Well, I mean, I've had back injuries. I literally was almost going to have to stop doing jujitsu because I had a left knee issue and a lower back issue. The only reason I'm still doing jujitsu today, years later, is because of deadlifting and squatting. It literally rebuilt my body. Yeah. You know, it's like putting a turtle shell around you. And it's the same thing with I had some severe shoulder issues and some bicep tendonitis that would not go away. Then I brought in the mace. Boom. Issues went away. Like I didn't change anything else. So I just, the answer for me is just get stronger. And, um, and I think that's what's missing from a lot of people's lives, you know, just getting stronger. Yeah. Now, did you start with uh, BJJ and then you got into powerlifting? <clears throat> um, more or less. So I started with MMA. Right. Okay. So I did, you know, kickboxing, Muay Thai and jujitsu for about 10 years and, um, you know, that was just all I did. And the exercises that I did back then were mostly body weight, heavily conditioned and, you know, some weighted stuff, but not really any strength. Right. So I, was, I always thought, you know, the lighter you are, the faster you are, the better you are. So I've completely changed my opinion on that now. But back then, I just wanted to be lighter and faster. And just to fast forward a little bit and I'll get back to it. I'm no faster. I'm faster now. 40 pounds heavier than I was then. Okay. Because I can produce more power right out the gate. Right. I was able to run a faster, um, 10 mile back then, but fighting in jujitsu is not a steady pace. It's a sprint with a low, a sprint with a low, look at jujitsu, look at wrestling, look at kickboxing, Muay Thai, American boxing. It's always maximal effort for maybe 10 seconds max. And then there's a low where you reset, you're faint, you're moving, you're using footwork. It's all the same in every martial art. So let me get back up off of that, right? Um, so I did that, you know, for about 10 years. And then I seen that movie. So <laughs> there's a movie by uh, with Will Smith and I think it's called Concussion. And it's about when, um, you know, CTE started to get well-known through the football players. And, you know, traumatic brain injuries. So, and I was like, man, I've been getting punched in the head for 10 years and kicked in the head. And, you know, I had never been knocked out, but I had been, you know, dazed and confused. Definitely, you know, multiple concussions and minor concussions for sure. 
So it made me take a look at fighting. It's like, okay, let me step back. But I still love martial arts. I uh, love combat martial arts. And I was really going towards jujitsu anyway. So I just, I just went fully all in on jujitsu. And I just did, went hard. And I all of a sudden, I went from training jujitsu two, three times a week to five days a week. And I fell even more in love with it for years and years. I kept pushing it and competing a lot. Um, you know, I've, you know, in IBJJF, I've won multiple tournaments in there, including um, in 2020 at Purple Belt, I won a world championship in a gi. In a gi. That's my highest achievement there, you know, uh, world champion in gi and IBJJF. And, um, but man, I was, body was hurting, knee, you know, something was wrong with it. My back was always hurting. It was constantly messing with, um, you know, my training. I just couldn't push it anymore. And I was doing just, crazy amount of works looking at crossfit and you know weird stuff like that and i wasn't getting any better you know long story short you know i tracked everything back then my murph time wasn't getting faster my jumps weren't getting higher my ability to do work in a round of jujitsu or conditioning was not improving it becomes stagnant and i was like okay i'm not going to complain and be like well i hit a plateau no 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 there's something that i'm not doing that's not right and what it was, was I was under eating and overtraining to maintain this low body weight. And then uh, a friend came in to the gym. I didn't know him at the time, but he's a great, great friend now. His name is Brian Batetti. And he's like, what are you doing? You're small. You're weak. And uh, something I never forget was like the big push for me for a long time. He, we're, he's teaching us how to squat and deadlift. And I'm like, oh, these things are stupid. Like, why would I ever do that? The bench press. I'm a jujitsu athlete. Why would I bench press? That's dumb. Why would I squat? Like, I don't squat in jujitsu. That's stupid. You know, just completely against it. And then one day he turns me around. He's like, look at this right here. And uh, two of my buddies were standing there with me. And he's like, you have a hole in your back. There's nothing there. And then for the next two years, they called me weak back Keith. And, uh, oh my God. so, and so that I took is that a bad name to have. Holy yeah. Shit. So like every time we did jujitsu, it's like, oh, it's weak back Keith. And, you know, I already had lower back issues and, you know, I took that personally. And those two friends, um, names are Micah and Sal. And through the coaching of Brian Batetti, you know, I just decided like, okay, I need to do something different. It's not working. So we, you know, coached me on the squat, the bench, the deadlift, overhead press. And he introduced me to the mace uh, back then. This was about four years ago, three and a half, four years ago. And um, and then I just, my brain, the way it works is I'm overly into things. You know, I just get obsessed. So then I just started squatting and benching and deadlifting and overhead pressing and swinging the mace every single day. I was getting in, I don't know, 600 swings a week. You know, so I got I got my 10,000 swings in that first year easily. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> and then I just started getting some muscle on me finally, because he also said he put me through like an eight week program. He's like, if you still have abs at the end of this, you messed up, you know, eat more food because I was always under eating. So I just started pounding food. And then I was just hitting the deadlifts and squats, just like he said. And I started rucking for the first time and swinging the mace every day. And my body just reacted to it. I put on like 20 pounds and over just a couple of months, it's like um, when a body, when a bodybuilder diets hard for those six months, 
and they get down to nothing and then they spring back, you know, it's called the recomp. Yeah. Basically, I didn't know it, but my body recomped. It said, oh, my God, you're finally giving me food. In a short period of time, I went from like 2,200 calories to 4,000. And not just overnight, you know, I started, I was smart or I tried to be smart with it where I started with 22 and I went to 25, then 2,700 to 29. And I only added calories when the scale stopped moving. So if the scale stopped going up, then I know I needed more fuel. So it had 200 calories. And then within just a couple of months, my body was reacting and I put on, you know, 20 pounds and I was at 4,000 calories. And all of a sudden my jujitsu was exploding. I can make it, you know, four or five rounds at five minutes because I had the fuel. I had the dexterity, I had the muscle mass to push through. And something about that is if you're stronger than your opponent and you're at the same body weight, you have to use less force. That means you're more economical. So you don't need a greater uh, aerobic capacity to make it through a round because you're actually not using as much effort Uh, compared to a diesel engine to a gasoline engine. You know, the diesel engine is running at 1500 RPM. The car engine is running at the gas engine is running at four or 5,000 RPM. So it's just how you use that power. So for me, I just use less strength and I don't need to, to try hard to overpower somebody. So I just, I'm more economical with my training now. Well, I'm glad that nobody calls you weak back, Keith, anymore. Now you're, <laughs> they, you're oh, Insta- they still do. They, 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 oh, they still do. Oh, of course. Come oh, on. Oh, boy. Man. Oh, boy. Uh, but your, your Instagram is, is killer Keith now. Yes. So well, I've, up, I've upgraded. Okay. I, I hope, I hope somebody said, well, you know, you deserve it. Uh, after, after doing what you did, which is, which is unbelievable. And, and as I hear you talk, my, my biggest question, and I think anybody listening is here you are, you're doing jujitsu. You're doing powerlifting, and uh, on your Instagram, you're lifting some sick weight. Uh, you're you're farming, you're shooting guns, you're yeah. shooting compound bow, um, you're raising a family, you're doing a podcast on the Steel Mace Nation. Like you got time for this, and my question is like, how the hell do you do it all? And you are not a jack of all trades because a jack of all trades knows how to do a bunch of things like, okay, you seem like a master of all trades to me. Well, well, that's very nice, but I'm far from a master. Right. So, um, but thank you. (laughs) It's time management. So just to how I have my 10 day program written out and I'll send it to you if you want to take a peek at it. I normally keep it, you know, hidden, but I'll just show you. So you have an idea. I would love to. Yeah, let me take a look at it. Is is planned out down to the minute. Like it says, do this movement, this much rest time, this movement, this much rest time. So I know that my workout will take me 90 minutes. So then when that's over, I have written down in my book. If you do not write your things down in a book, I think you are messing up. I think everybody, this has everything from January 1st all the way until now. So I get one of these every January 1st, right? And I start day one. What time do I eat? What am I eating? Meals are already prepped. So at I know I eat at 12, I eat at 3, I eat at 7, I eat at 9. And I'm allowed plus or minus 30 minutes there on my food. Um, so my workout is already written down. The food that I'm eating is already prepped. It's already planned. Imagine how much time that's already saved, right? So other than that, it's 
plan out the rest of your day. Okay, this day I know I have to clean the coop. So I know that I can't clean the coop on deadlift day because deadlift day takes more time and it takes more of my energy. So I'm going to put a clean the coop day and do the lar- uh, yard work on a rest day. So my rest day is clean the coop, do the yard work, and that's going to take me all day, but that's still getting my work in. That's burning my calories. That's getting my movement in. That's my rest day, but it's also a recovery day because I'm still able to eat the same amount of food because I'm still burning the calories and getting the movement in, right? So it's really just time management. So now I've picked up another hobby in gunfighting, uh, you know, tactical pistol. And, you know, we just put out a YouTube video on that. And but so what I do is the same thing I did with shooting the bow. I want to be an extremely skilled archer, not for paper, but for hunting. You know, my my I don't want to kill paper. You know, it's people may not like the sound of it, but I want to kill something to bring it home and put food on the table. Literally, you know, with my own bare hands, one animal can feed my family for months. And so I take my archery very seriously. It's where I shoot 25 arrows every day. You know, I get up in the morning. I let the chickens and the ducks out. You know, I give them their food, give them the water. You know, I ground, um, you know, just my little morning process. You know, I make sure I do this barefoot. So I'm grounding. You know, I get my 10 minutes that I'm, you know, viewing the sun. You know, I do this with as minimal clothing as possible. So I get my, my sun time in first thing in the morning. I pick up my bow. I go out to my little 3D deer target. I put 25 arrows in. All of this takes 20 minutes. So I've got my grounding, I've got my sun viewing, I've got my sunlight in, I've fed, released the chickens and the ducks and gave them water, and I've got my archery time in, and I'm back in the house ready to go to work because I still work a full-time job, right? Luckily, I work from home, but that's 20 minutes, and it sounds like I did a lot. So really, it's just time management and a scheduling and just actually doing it, not saying, okay, in five minutes, no, no, no. Just actually do it. And then when 4 p.m. comes, I go outside, I train, 90 minutes, I'm done. Meal is already prepped, I eat, boom, boom, boom. It's it's really just time management. Also, I rarely watch TV unless in, informational. So I basically only watch YouTube now. And it's usually just informational podcasts, um, a documentary of some sort. Um, so I don't get hooked on shows. I don't doom scroll on social media. I make my posts. I comment on my friend's stuff. I like their stuff. And, you know, I move on. You know, occasionally I'll, you know, if I'm in the bathroom, right, I'll look at some stuff, like, you know, try to get some enjoyment in there. But for the most part, it's, I I remove waste. You know, I work in manufacturing. Um, And if anybody works in manufacturing that's listening, if they know like Lean and Sigma 6, it's all about getting the most work done with minimal touches of the hand. So if you just put that into life, I just cut out all the fat and I just do what I need to do to get the things done that I want to get done. Like right now, my training is primarily focused on powerlifting. So I do less jujitsu and I train more on the lifting. Now, if I'm getting ready for a jujitsu competition, obviously the lifting goes down and the style of lifting changes and I do more jujitsu. So you also have to moderate what your current goals are. You know, this is uh, epic stuff that you're talking about. I think people should just contact you just to learn how to do time management and get coached on that level. I mean, I don't know if you offer that, but you should. I mean, my coaching basically is time management. Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so if you're not offering time management as coaching, you're leaving something so vital out. Yeah. Because I don't want my my athletes to miss a day because yeah. of timing. So I have a few questions I always ask. One is those things are, what are your other hobbies? What do you do for work? If you work 10 hour shifts, five days a week, well, I have to work around that. I can't just give you a program. Now say, here you go, tap you on a button, go do it. No, yeah. that's not how pro that's cookie cutter stuff that you cannot do. And I, I will not do, you know, so being a coach also is absolutely time management and that needs to be in everybody's program. So I have a little section that they fill out of what time did you start your workout and what time did you end your workout? Because I need to know how long it took you. And if it took too long, I need to either one, have a talk with you. What are you messing around? Um, are you not following the rest times or what was the reason? So we can address that. We can adjust it so you can still get all your training. in. So, and then be like, Oh, you know, I didn't, I missed a meal. Okay. Why did you miss a meal? And then I'll be like, Oh, well you did this. You did that. And then I'll ask you questions. You know, did you watch any TV today? Did you watch movies? Okay. Let's prioritize a little better. Do not miss a meal again. Cause you failed these lifts because you're under recovered because you did not get the necessary fuel and nutrition. And, you know, it's, it's literally just time management. And once you figure that out, everything gets easier. Now, are these Zoom calls that you're doing with your clients so that you can generally just through um, generally just right now, honestly, through Instagram. Okay. If some, like DMs. Yes, correct. Oh, that's because great. I, yeah, that's right now for me. That's the easiest way to do it because I have a cap on how many people I train. Because I do not take on too many people at once because I have before and my quality of coaching goes down. Yeah. So now I set a cap. I only coach so many people at a time or else I'm not going to be able to give you everything that I'm able to give. Right. You can only keep up with so much information. So I found my current limit with all of everything else I have going on. So until this becomes full time and I can leave the job, I currently have a cap and, um, there's, there's some openings right now, but I like that. Like, I like having a cap. I'm not just going to take on people and take money. It's not how I work. You know, I do not want my quality to go down, but um, there's been a couple of times I'm like, Hey, we need to have a discussion or I need to see you live doing something, set your phone up, set your computer up. I need to see this. Other than that, I generally would just make videos and send it to them individually. Like how to videos or I make little talks and, you know, people need also need pep talks. Part of being a coach yeah. a lot of times is being a life coach. You know, sometimes you have to talk people through things. They have, you know, may not believe in the numbers that you program for them. Like, oh, my God, that's too heavy. I would never give you a number that you're not capable of, but they have to believe it. So sometimes there's a little bit of life coaching going on. How about diet coaching? Are you getting really deep in the woods with that? Or are you just sort of like, uh, you oh, know, diet coaching is simple and <laughs> The thing about like strength in general and um, nutrition, nothing has really changed in like 70 years. You know, so if you look at what the elite people are doing, that's who I look to. But what are the best of the best doing? And they're doing the same thing that they did 50 years ago. You know, it's it truly is. And there's a lot of, you know, um, people don't like to hear it, but it truly is just calories in, calories out as far as like losing weight that's the general population so we're not talking about athletes right now athletes is totally different if you're prepping for a bodybuilding show or powerlifting meat or um you know even competition kettlebelling which is you know incredibly uh, hard 
marathon running. These people need to be dialed in and you need to count all your macros. Your carbs need to be a certain level. Your micronutrients need to be hit. Your macronutrients, protein levels, all of these things need to be accounted for. You know, checking glucose levels and fast-acting insulin. And But for your everyday general population, everybody's looking for the most optimal diet, the most optimal way of training, when that's just nonsense. <laughs> it's calories in, calories out. If you cannot deny physics, thermal efficiency. So if you burn 2,500 calories a day, I don't care if that's 90% carbohydrates, 5% fat, and 5% protein. If you eat those same amount of calories, unless some outlandish, you know, um, variables in there, but for your everyday general population, you're going to maintain weight. If you remove calories, you will lose weight. If you add calories to over your maintenance, you will gain weight. It's not your hormones. It's not you eat too many carbs. It's not that rice upsets your stomach. It's not that, you know, red meat is bad. It's not that I have, I eat too much ice cream. It does not matter. It's calories in, calories out. Physics do not lie. And this, if you, if you really just look at it, that's all it is. Again, for general population, it's totally different for elite athletes and competitive athletes. So for me, when I program um, nutrition, you know, meal planning, it's very simple. What are the foods you like mostly? What are the foods you don't like? I look at that over a two week period, we find their maintenance uh, calorie, which is pretty simple to find somebody's maintenance calories if you control all the variables. And then I ask, okay, what do you want? Are we building muscle or, or are we leaning out? Because I don't ask, are we maintaining? Because I don't believe in maintaining. Well, who wants to be the same? You should want to be better. So whether that's look better on the beach or put on more muscle for strength or uh, recovery, we should be doing one or the other. If you tell me you're maintaining, I'm going, no, no, no. We are yeah, not. Well, the answer is you want to maintain, we'll just keep doing exactly what you've been doing. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's how you Bye. maintain. Give me a hundred dollars. That's it. <laughs> it's simple, right? So I don't believe in maintenance calories because it, it, when some people are really resistant to them, like, okay, okay, we'll just keep you at maintenance calories. So then we'll just train. And if we train correctly and build muscle, those maintenance calories go into a deficit Yeah. because now you have more muscle. Your body has raised its metabolic rate. You burn more calories sitting on butt than you did before. All of a sudden, now you're looking leaner. You're like, oh, I like this. And I'll tell you what you did. Now that you're lean and you're happy, let's put some muscle on you. Let's raise those calories, right? So, but that's my nutrition planning is very simple. What do you like to eat? What are you absolutely not going to eat? And then you give them a schedule. You eat at these times. These are your foods. These are your grams per, et cetera. And don't miss a meal. That's it. It's super simple. The, the fancy pants nutritional coaches, really, they're just trying to sell you something that they found out some sort of secret. There's no secret. You know what I mean? It's for the general person. It's like, again, for most people, it's rice, beef, chicken, and some uh, macronutrient foods, like for me, I like pineapple uh, and blueberry have to be in there for me. Um, and other few things like red peppers, green peppers, orange peppers. You know, these are things how you get all your micronutrients in. But there's nothing fancy. There's no secret meal timing. There's no secret post-workout meal. There's no secret pre-workout meal. It's all the same. It's very basic. Well, 
all I think I heard you say this whole time was that we can eat all the ice cream we want. And yes, and that's it. That's what I heard. So that's I agree. it. Listen, all right, podcast um, over. <laughs> I literally had not not right now um, because I'm actually trying to come down to wait for my next powerlifting meet. I'm going to drop a weight class and this last one I moved up. So I'm going to come back down to a lower body weight. But if I wasn't doing that, um, I left my last powerlifting off season and I'm not making this up. Uh, you can go back archive stories. I was having ice cream six to seven nights a week. Every single day I had ice cream, but it was built into my calories. So at that time I was eating, I think off the top of my head around 3,800 calories on average. Um, but I, just to make it clear, I don't eat the same amount of calories every day because for my rest and recovery day, I do not need as many calories as my deadlift day. So my calories do move through the needs of the particular day, right? But I was still having my ice cream every single day. And my ice cream of choice was the Fairlife ice creams. They have anywhere between 20 to 25 grams of protein. Um, and I don't count fat and carb because... Honestly, for most people, it does not matter unless, again, you're an elite athlete going for something pretty insane. So I was getting my protein number in, you know, and I was eating that before bed because it helps you to sleep better, as well as it was only four to 500 calories, depending on the flavor. So all you have to do is I remove from my four meals of the day, I remove 100 to 125 calories from that meal. Boom. Now I have ice cream and I hit my number. That's easy. Like yeah. I'm saying, like it's very basic. Nutrition is super basic. It's just math. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've helped people before. It just seems like they don't want to give up their sweets or whatever. I mean, it, some people have stressful lives. They don't they don't yeah. run to the bottle. They don't do They'll drugs. And they're like, yo, all I want to do is just like have like some chocolate brownies or something like that. Go and it makes it. me feel better. But build it in. Right. right. Build it in. So I build the, the sweets in. I like ice cream. I don't really yeah. I don't like candy. I don't need. You know, I can go to Halloween and I don't need to eat a bunch of little um, candy treats. It doesn't do it for me. But ice cream, it does it for me. You know, I need so I just build it in. It's super simple. So maybe you're somebody who likes cookies. Okay, buy cookies. Look on the back of it. What are the total amount of calories divided by how many cookies are in there? Each cookie, let's just make up a number, is 200 calories. So we remove 200 calories from somewhere else, and now you can have your cookie. Easy. It's super simple, man. You know, it's yeah. just numbers. And don't forget, if you're when you're doing one arm swings, you could swing and eat an ice cream cone at the same time. Yeah. It's absolutely now you're getting listen, that's you're getting instant carb, you're getting your insulin spike for your muscle building. Boom, I like it. There it is. It's a new thing. Let's bring it on. Absolutely. I might do it. I might start eating on my rucks. <laughs> Now, yeah, there's another thing you do. You go on long rocks. So now yeah. I want to be respectful of your time, uh, but you do have this YouTube channel, and I just want to hit upon that. Tell me what the impetus is. And you know, it's called the Farm Project. It's on your farm. Right. Uh, you you not only just show your life, and it's really filmed very well. Um, you got your uh, narrative over the top of it a lot, and we get to hear a lot of your like philosophy on life, which. We didn't even really talk much about that today, and, no. you know, but you do offer really cool thoughts and ideas, philosophy, if you will. Sometimes it seems a, met, a little metaphysical. Um, it gets deep. 
And, um, you know, what are you, what are you doing there with the farm project? So with, with that, it's, it started off with the idea of doing something like a fitness channel, you know, tracking my training and whatnot. And, um, but right as soon as we started talking about it with the, uh, the guy that does all my filming and editing, his, uh, Instagram name is pixel this pixel that actually I met him in the gym and uh, he asked me some questions. He's like, Hey, do you think you could help me? I helped him out. And, you know, I helped him for like 20 minutes and I just walked away and he goes, Hey, hey man, are you like a coach? I'm like, yeah, yeah, you know, I coach people, you know, I'm, I'm not really like, I'm a terrible businessman. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't really promote myself very well. And so he's like, Hey man, you know, do you, you know, I'm looking for a coach. I'm like, Oh, okay. I'll help you out. So, and what we worked out, what he's like, Hey, are you looking for any filming and editing? You know, I, I do that. I'm like, well, do you want to barter? So he had no real experience in the gym, very little. So I just started coaching him and writing his programs. And he started making Instagram reels for me. I'm like, Hey, this is pretty cool. You know, he just shows up when I train, I just do what I do. And then he films it, goes home and then sends me a video i'm like oh this is awesome so i don't have to do any of it myself i don't have to set up a tripod and film myself which i feel awkward about and i don't know if you tell but i'm i'm not comfortable talking like on mic and stuff and so no first... that's that doesn't come off at all oh cool uh, don't say I... that anymore <laughs> so I, I i think it's the practice with him because yeah. when he started making me talk on film i was just very weird about it i'm like no i don't want to just put music i don't want to talk and he's got me more comfortable with it. And now he just, he'll make me say things. And now he puts a mic on me. He's like, man, we're doing all this stuff. Why don't we just make a YouTube channel? And I'm like, let's do it. And then the idea came of, I don't want it to just be weightlifting. There's plenty of that. Go on YouTube. There's endless amount of people lifting weights and talking. And I didn't want to make it a instructional either. You know, I, I, thoroughly love coaching and I love being part of somebody's journey, but I didn't want to make another informational video. Like there's plenty of them out there. And, but, you know, I do all these different things, you know, the bow and the guns and jujitsu and kickboxing and powerlifting and, you know, bodybuilding potentially here coming up as well that I might actually do a bodybuilding show. So as I'm learning these things and, you know, I, build a cold plunge and I'm going to build a sauna and, you know, I'm building these things for my land and I'm just now developing the land and I'm learning. I have no background in farming. You know, I grew up in, you know, Kissimmee, Orlando, which is just, you know, regular suburban city. You know, I don't have any friends that are into this. So I have to just learn all of my own about these chickens and the ducks and trees and farming the land and, you know, wow. uh, stocking the pond and just making it all up. You're fearless, go. bro. You are fearless. <laughs> so, um, so the name of the farm came because, well, what happens on a farm? Things grow. So I'm growing, right? Yeah. So it's like, watch me grow on the farm, but also grow along with me. So it's documenting my strength journey and powerlifting. It's documenting my jujitsu journey. I just see I have two episodes up that are just purely jujitsu. Um, now it's something else that I'm into, gunfighting, being able to protect myself and my family and friends in a hopefully unavoidable situation that would never happen ideally but if it does i want to be that warrior in the garden you know become a more capable human that is the underlying um gist of all of it 
being a more capable human, you know, so can I hunt food? Can I grow food? Can I forage food? Can I protect myself? Can I protect friends and family either by hand or by arms? And so the farm is really just a lifestyle that I'm learning, not a lifestyle that I'm already living. It literally is a lifestyle that I'm learning. And so I'm only, you know, been living on this piece of land for six months, you know, before that I have no previous experience. So this is just us growing as the farm. And, you know, that was just a fitting name. It literally is a project because we don't know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> so it's like, it's watch me grow on the farm and do all these things that I'm into. And, you know, I try to give insights and information. So there is information that we give out. Like my episode that's coming out um, tomorrow, it's a squat session. So I talk about believing in the squat and how much believing in something do a placebo effect can help you, you know, to move more weight just by not doubting yourself. And I think it's a really cool episode and the way um, that he edited Omar, pixel this, pixel that. So um, look forward to that coming out uh, by tomorrow. Um, yeah. And so this is like just something, a fun little project that we're doing that hopefully grows into something that becomes full time. Yeah. Well, I wish you luck with it. I think it, it's definitely um, you're hitting a spot there. Like I said, I watched uh, all your episodes. Awesome. Um, I knew you were coming out to the podcast. I wanted to be prepared uh, to have a discussion with you. And of course, going to your YouTube channel is a must. And yep. um, I was like, damn, I was like, this is actually interesting. I'm looking forward now to this next episode that's coming out. It's funny you mentioned the placebo effect and in, 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 in around squats because a long time ago, I don't know, it was probably 15 years ago, I was working with a coach on my squats and he was like, Fred, you can do this weight. And I was like, no, nah, man, I know I, I know I can't. And somehow he got through my hard head and he was like, you can do it. Just, just go, just yeah. go. And I was like, all right, I'll do it. And I did it. And, you know, I shook his hand and I said, dude, you just taught me the biggest lesson of my life right now, man. Like Believe it. I was in my own way all the way, man. And you, you know, so I can't wait to hear what you got to actually say about that in the next episode. So uh, anything else, man, like before we go, like, you know, you give out your uh, links and stuff like that. But is there anything else you want anybody to know about you? No, man, I think you, you cover it all pretty good. You know, this, I mean, the rest of it is just, you'll see on the farm upcoming, because I do have some things in the works that we're doing that's going to be quite different um, that, you know, ideally you really haven't seen anywhere. So just pay attention to the farm on YouTube. Um, you can get that in the link of my Instagram in my bio. And my Instagram is killakeith, uh, K-I-L-L-A-H, little underscore guy, and Keith, K-E-I-T-H. Right on. That'll be in the show notes for you all. And, you know, anybody that's on the audio listening to this, um, you know, make sure that you do go check out at some point, check out his, uh, his YouTube channel um, and make sure everybody likes and shares. And, and I think Keith, um, you know, a good, a good point to all this is like, you're talking about guns and hunting and taking care of yourself, manhood stuff. Uh, this is a big thing that's on the rise here in the United States now because people As are should be. Yeah, it should be. And I'm, I'm part of that too. And that's why I took an interest in you. Um, you know, we got some big moves we got to make nowadays, and this is the answer right here. So people yep. should, should be following you because like I said, you're fearless and you're going into this 
and you're showing people that you could figure out how to raise chickens and hunt and take care of a family and be jacked and all that stuff. We have more information at our fingertips than anybody in human history. And if you're not utilizing that tool, you are making a deathly mistake. There you go, right there. That's where you tap in. You get, you find somebody you like. Maybe it's, maybe it's Killer Keith. You know, maybe it's Steel Mace Nation. Maybe it's all of us. Whatever. But it's, it's all about tapping into that information and not wasting your time with all the other shit. Right. That's it. Don't yeah. waste time. Yeah. I like it, man. I'm going to have to have you come back on in the future because I, I had like 45 other questions I thought of, but they would have taken us down a whole different loop. Another rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. absolutely. We can do this again. Great, man. I appreciate meeting you. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, talk to you soon there, Keith. Yes, sir. You have a good day. All right. You too.